Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Belichick is going to hire Connor Stallions as a scout. He's my kind of guy, <laughs> Belichick. Yeah, well, let me, I'll get you some NFL stats, and it's not good, an optimi- it's not good for Bill Belichick. Uh, this says, come on, F State, come to SEC. Look, they'd like to. Trust me, Florida State would love to be in the Southeastern Conference, and they and Clemson oh, yeah. and others are going to be pushing for that. No doubt. Uh, but the SEC doesn't really want them. They may have to join the Big 12 and, and further establish the Big 12 as a – because the Big 12 could, could could add in some type of partnership some of the top teams and go from, you know, the 16 they're going to be to 20. Yeah, I mean, the ACC would give them a chance to – because right now the big, the big 12, the issue is they don't have any blue bloods. Right. Florida like, State would give them a blue They don't have blood. any blue bloods at all. I mean, right. They're, they're going to have to establish blue bloods. they got some good programs, they but they programs. all have to grow. Yes, they're new bloods. Yeah, yeah. They need you to, to be – I believe that they didn't say this, but originally go look at the, the Power Five uh, the power five conferences. I believe they started with just who's got the blue bloods. If you ain't got a blue blood, you're a group of five. Yeah, that's right. And that's basically what the Big right. 12 has been relegated to because they don't have any Power Five Correct. programs. Correct. Like, uh, sorry, any, any blue blood programs. And, and Brett Yormark would sell it if he could add, let me just play hypothetical. I don't know if North Carolina would leave. I mean, there's so much basketball tradition with the ACC. Now, now that's they, what he said. He said, I got blue bloods, but in basketball. Yeah, I could he add. Said, I got college what basketball. If I, what if I had North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas. Well, yeah, with Kansas and North Carolina mm-hmm. and uh, Florida State, Miami, and, and Clemson. Duke. And Clemson, right? And yeah. all of a sudden you're taking football, but you're also going to add Duke, Virginia, and some of these other schools, and now you're, you have a, you have a coast to coast dominant basketball conference, Monopoly. and you have a you know really and, and the thing about the Big Twelve expanding football further would be a dominant three time zone conference, That's right? So want. you're yeah, East Coast, where now you're adding East Coast teams to go with Central Florida and mm-hmm. West, West Virginia, and the other schools in the East. You've got the middle of the country covered, and you've got the West now with the Arizona schools. Yeah, um, that's why they're flirting with Gonzaga for basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see where he's going, but it's the industry of football. It's the consolidation of, of, of college athletics. But trust me, with the uh, the snub of, of Florida State, which the fact that they're making it, it – for most of us, it's not a snub in that it, the four best teams are in and the, the betting odds tell you who are the, the power-rated teams. And But for Florida State fans and the ACC, it doesn't matter. They're all losing money because they're not in. Florida State's losing an opportunity, and you guys are changing the rules in the middle of the game. Even though the rules stay, you have to consider health of a team. Mm-hmm. So – uh, it is. Yeah, no, it's an ugly situation. It is. I think it's like, and I think I just read, was it $6 million? A conference will receive $6 million for each team that is selected for a playoff semifinal. Um, so that's, that's right. It's a lot of cash. And if Texas plays in the final, that's where, that's where I was getting the 11 or $12 million number for each team. If Texas wins and then plays again, they'll get another six. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's $12 million per team if Texas Ooh. can play for the championship. And as we said, 
Here's the, the, uh, the advantage for Texas, if there is one. You've said this, you think the Washington matchup is the toughest. Because, it's a tougher matchup. Because Bama likes to run the ball, and so does Michigan. Texas is the best run defense, arguably, in the country. It would be a yeah. heck of a matchup, but their secondary can be leaky. And Mikey, Michael Penix, an NFL receiver, is big time. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. But Texas already knows Washington, and that's vice versa. Mm-hmm. They played last year in the Alamo Bowl, so there's familiarity. You already have a game plan, and you come up with a new one, obviously. But uh, you, you know some personnel. They know you. But if you were able to win that game in Bama or to beat Michigan, you know the Mich- you know the Bama game plan. Yeah, you played that. You worked on it all offseason. Well, and Bama rip and be, repeat. They'll be coming off a really physical game. Well, Bama or Michigan, but Bama, you you get more advantage because, like you said, you already have a scouting report on Bama. The players know the uh, the opposing players really well. Sark knows the opposing coaches really well. And on top of that, they would come off probably their fit, most physical matchup oh, for of the both season of them. for both of them easily. Yeah. So there's lots of like, and of course the championship game would be in Houston, which would be a huge Texas that's crowd. Home, that's on field. That's that three hours game. from here. That's you know that's a lot of field. Houston fans already. Yeah. So yes, that's the opportunity for Texas and getting in, and they've earned that with I think their best three performances consecutively with Iowa. Iowa State was only 26-16, but Based we know the last ten quarters. Yeah, say, say the last ten quarters because that's what I started to have after halftime. Iowa State. Sark was in his bag, man. He was He's in his been own. Really man. good, and even yeah. and they closed I, that game out. Yeah, I, game. and I, I just I, I like the end. even though they didn't play perfectly in the first half and they shot themselves in the foot a couple times, they were playing strong football. That was they had they had Sark called that the scene of the crime. They had to they had to survive that game. And we know Quinn Ewers still wasn't one hundred percent. Kind of a cold night in, in Ames, Iowa, all that. So for that game, and then as you said, the second half of that game for sure. Tech, this game. It's really come together. They've gotten because the other part is through their lull of the year during the year after beating Alabama, you know, then the flat performance against Wyoming, but yep. then you know the game against Oklahoma was a hell of a game. You know, coming out of that game, they were beat up. I mean, that's the other part that uh, you know everybody has injuries, but their starting center got hurt in that game. Uh, Jalen Catalan got hurt in that game. Um, you know, J.T. Sanders got hurt in the Kansas game and wasn't healthy for yep. the next month or so at the tight end. So you lost a weapon there. Um, you know, they, they survived. Then Quinn, of course, got hurt in the second yes, half of the did. Houston game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know the Houston game turned out to be a, you know, goal line stand, but, you know, how comfortable does Texas win that game if Quinn doesn't get hurt in that game and they can keep, you know, doing what they're doing? Didn't happen, but they survived it. And then they survived without Quinn for a couple games and found a way. That's the and, – and now here they are healthy and in because they played their best football the last ten quarters, and now they get a month. To get healthy. So does Washington, and so does the other. But you get a month now to get as healthy as possible and build a heck of a game plan with a quarterback who's feeling really confident right now. Yeah, and that's the, you know, that's the other side of that coin is that Washington has also been dealing with injuries. They have not had their full complement of their three NFL wide receivers all season long. They've had two of them for most of the season, Jalen Polk and Adunze. Uh, but now it looks like Jalen McMillan, who's the other third NFL caliber wide receiver they got, he's going to be ready for that game versus Texas, and that could be a problem because Texas just does not have the DBs to match up with those NFL wide receivers across the board. So Texas pressure packages, how they get pressure on Penix early and often, that's going to be the key because they're not going to hold up in coverage. Guys, they were getting beat by Oklahoma State. Yeah. <laughs> they played that pump and, bump and run press. All it took was some double moves and some hitch and goes, and Allen Bowman just couldn't hit those guys. Uh, Michael Penix would be able to hit those guys. Yeah, so, pressure's going to be key. Yeah, pressure Texas will be key. Texas, that, that's, that's the liability for Texas. They can't hold up in pass coverage. That's okay because they can't apply pressure, and Washington can't really stop Texas either. They don't have the defense to really – 
be able to match up. But they can rush the passer pretty well. Braylon Trice is their pass rushing kind they of They come off the head. edge. Yeah. Uh, and, look, I think it's a very even matchup. Vegas has Texas as the favorite early, but uh, mm -hmm. it's a long road trip for Washington. But either way, they beat – and Kalen DeBoer is a, a witch as a coach. I think it's a great matchup for Sark and he. Great description. He's uh, a witch. He is. He <laughs> is. A he warlock, is. I guess. He is. Saying, and I, like, <laughs> I, you know, I can't prove this, but I, Texas didn't play with the intensity – that they're going to play with it this year against Washington. They were just kind of there Well, last they got year. the weapons, though. Remember, they could tee off on Xavier Worthy last season because you didn't have A.D. Mitchell. Now you got A.D. Mitchell. That's the biggest difference. Well, and and we now know x Man was playing with a broken hand. And if he catches a deep ball uh, in the third quarter of that game, having been there, they might have, Houston, Texas might have won that game. Mm -hmm. And Quinn had a good game without that. If he gets a 60-yard touchdown pass, he's over 400 yards against them last year against the Huskies. So yeah. he, he's going to feel pretty confident about what they can do against that Washington defense. So uh, lots of like for Texas, for sure, as they get this cranked up. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain one more time here in our fabulous fifth hour. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Ty Henderson. I take you around the NFL real quick, Rod, with some things that I, uh, I noted from yesterday that is uh, we'll get to the t Texans and here coming up, Cowboys and Eagles and what the Niners did. But I mentioned this. How did, how's this going to go with Bill Belichick? Are they going to move on from Bill Belichick when the season's over? That is the big question in greater New England and up and down the East Coast. But the Chargers went into New England and beat the Patriots 6-0. to zero. Uh, This is an NFL game, Rod, in 20 and 23. 6-0. Come on. Say that again. Six. That's crazy. The Chargers won a game with Cameron Dicker kicking two field goals. That's it. Hey, Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker. Showing up again. Aren't, aren't the Patriots the first team ever to have three straight games holding the opponent under 10 points and still losing all those games? Yes, you must have been listening to me in the 6 o'clock hour, but hey, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's nice. true. Yeah, they're the first team since the 1938 Chicago Cardinals, actually, Ty. Because Chicago, of course, the Cardinals have moved from Chicago to St. Louis, St. Louis to Arizona, wherever else. But either way, uh, yeah, they gave up. They've, they've, their defense has given up 10 points or fewer, three straight games, and they've lost all of them. So Belichick can still call some D. But historically terrible offense. He just it won't work. Bailey Bill, Zappi. Well, you want that because Bill O'Brien's there. That's why. <laughs> yeah. If well, they fired Bill O'Brien and get Josh McDaniels back in there, they'll be okay. I mentioned this though. The Texans did their job yesterday. Beat the uh, Denver, oh, Denver Broncos. Broncos yeah. Denver had been playing five in well. a row, playing, playing great. Really Sean well. Payton's team and yeah. Russell Wilson. Been Broncos playing country. Texas. Let's ride. Let's ride. How do you like that? <laughs> They're now six and six because Houston. Let's ride. But so, you, if you were a Texans fan, you were watching and hoping Tennessee could hold on and beat Indianapolis. Speaking of Belichick uh, disciples, Mike Vrabel is going to be in some hot water here because the Titans lost a game at home in which they should have won. They gave up two block punts successively. That's unbelievable. On, on in back, the NFL? And, Rod, you got to go back and watch them. They weren't close. Like, the punter almost got killed. Like, both times, hurt. the punter – yes, the punter got crushed both times. Somebody's going to get fired. One was a pick six. Or a uh, yeah. scoop and score scoop touchdown. And score. Yeah. One led to a field goal. And then when they still rallied from that somehow at home, they still scored a game-winning touchdown, it looked like, to take the lead and win 26-25. Oh, oh, really? Will Levis? Nick Falk missed the kick, the extra point. Oh. <laughs> special teams is oh, – special teams coach is done. Have we, have we got an update on that? Let me look um, this guy up. What's his name? God, Tennessee fired. special team fired. coach. Yeah, I'm about to look him up. So Nick Folk missed the extra point, and so it's 25 all and ends up in overtime, and the Colts win in overtime. No, and Ryan, Will, Will Levis went out of that game, and actually Ryan Taylor had to come into that game. He's been with the Titans seven years. Craig Ackerman. Sorry, Craig. He's leading this special team. Fifth season as assistant head coach, too. 
Well, I, I got to have to go read the Tennessean today. Because oh, you're right. And, and right below that headline is Titans fans, media calling for Ackerman to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've never seen anything right like it. Below like, like you've never seen that in high school, Rob. <laughs> I know where I saw it? Texas. Three against North Carolina, North Carolina State. State. That's where I saw it. That's how I remember anything happening like that. And by the way, after that, Mac Brown, he went from, uh, I think we had at one point like four or five. Uh, uh, spirit, uh, periods dedicated to special teams. Maybe even before that, it was like three dedicated to special teams before that. After that, Mac Brown doubled the amount of special teams periods we had at practice. Yeah, you have to. We doubled I it. also, Longhorn fans, <laughs> want to forget this, but we did see Texas go to Stillwater and Charlie Strong's team get three extra points blocked in a single game. <laughs> in a row. That's <laughs> right. I do remember that. Oh, man. Same guy. Same guy. Uh, never adjusted. Well, it was it. it was the same thing in North Carolina State. I believe it was the same player. It was T. Holt. It was Tory. It was Tory Holt's uh, brother. brother. It was Terrence Holt because <laughs> I played with him in Detroit. He always go, bro. You believe I blocked like three kicks against? You? I'm like, yeah, I remember. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that happened yesterday. If you go back and watch it, it's, it was a total malfunction. I mean, they, they the kicker almost got destroyed because it was oh. so easy to block the punt. It's like high school Brutal. football. Also, yesterday from the NFL, the Detroit Lions defeated the reeling New Orleans Saints 33-28. They got it 21-0 and held on. But give Dan Campbell's team how about, uh, credit. How about this? Best record for a Detroit Lions team through 12 games since 1962, Rod. Ooh. 61 wow. years since they've had a record this good. Hey, I used to be a Detroit Lion. It's been a long time, brother. Long time. Well, think about this now. Yeah, baby. Here's the problem for Detroit. They're really good. But we just saw them lose to the Packers. But the Packers backed it up by beating the Chiefs last night. So the game on Thanksgiving, Jordan Love's all of a sudden playing some good football. Yeah, he is. Uh, and yes. that's no joke. But You're Detroit, right now they want to be in contention with the Cowboys and the Eagles with San Francisco. But San Francisco, what they did yesterday to the, to the Philadelphia Eagles was humbling. We know that the Eagles have been playing on borrowed time. They've been kind of surviving games where the team left the field going, man, we should have won that game. Cowboys, mm -hmm. Chiefs, uh, Buffalo, all yep. saying, man, we should have won that. San Francisco left no doubt. Uh, Rod, it was 6 nothing Philadelphia. This is a good football game. I remember. First quarter. First quarter. San Francisco couldn't move the ball. They only had, I want to say they only had the ball for like two of the first 13 minutes. Because the Eagles <laughs> – and here's where your guy Kyle Shanahan won the game. They went on two long drives, and they kicked field goals. Mm -hmm. Do you know that before they kicked those two field goals, the Eagles had scored touchdowns in the red zone 12 consecutive times? Crazy. 12 in a row, longest streak in the league. Wow. And they held them out for two field goals after the long drives with their defense, and then they took control and over from, the middle, from early in the second quarter to early in the fourth quarter. The Brock Purdy and the San Francisco offense went on six drives. They ran 47 plays. They were for 500, 450 yards and six touchdowns. On the road. Dude. Domination. I mean, and it was in all phases. They he made really Jalen Carter cry. They made Jalen Carter cry. You see the picture what? of him, the video of him crying on the sideline? No, I didn't see oh that. Oh, my was God. Was it real? Yes. He has, like, one of the ski masks on where you can only see his eyes, and he's clearly – he got it's when he got that personal foul at the uh, towards well, the Well, and that game. was the big deal. I mean, the dust up on the sidelines, hey. that's going to be talked about this week. Um, the, 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 the security. Never security allow that, that D-bag on the field again. Like, are you kidding? Why is that guy on the field? I don't what does know. he well, bring he, to the table? No. Yeah, there was a hard tackle on the sidelines, and it was uh, – uh, what's the line? Uh, golly. Drew uh, Green. Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. Dre Greenlaw. Greenlaw. Yep. The hard-hitting linebacker oh. of, the, of the Niners. He yeah. threw Devontae Smith to the ground. It was one of those – Kind of, kind of spun him over and threw him. Well, to the Smith is pretty light, though. He probably, yeah, he looks right. he's probably <laughs> wasn't even noticing. It's like yeah. his little brother or something, <laughs> some kid. Well, he throws him to the ground. Uh, they didn't like it on the sidelines. It was right in front of Nick Sirianni and his. I guess that's his head of security or something because yeah. everybody wants to punch him in the face. So he's got to have this big fat dude 
or big round shoulder guy. I apologize. I'm not trying to be in sensitivity <laughs> training. But so he comes up, and they're trying to get, you know, the, they're trying to help Devontae Smith up, and they get off our player. That was over over the top. And so, yeah, Greenlaw gets up, and he's looking at this guy, Dom. It's such a Philadelphia thing, Dom Deloise or something, uh, <laughs> chief of security. And he takes a swipe at Green, Like, he puts his hands on Greenlaw. I know. I like, saw pushing that. him away. Like, what are you doing, dude? Well, Greenlaw comes back and, like, hits him in the lip. Like, he was trying to punch him in the face. It's like, you can't what touch me. What are you doing? Yeah, you, the, he, that guy on the side like, can't touch a player. No. You, you can't get involved in the game, dude. What are you doing? Right. And so Greenlaw ended up getting injected, and you heard you know, this is why everybody hates Nick Sirianni, who doesn't root for the Eagles. He's in the he's in the officials here saying that he better get thrown out. That guy, he better get ejected from the game. And it's like, what about Trigger? And he did. Yeah, they both did. Yeah, they both got him. And of course, he walked off the field and uh, got a, just a chorus of ovation because the Eagles didn't have anything to cheer for at that point. They were getting their asses kicked. Yeah, they just wanted to be <laughs> miscreants at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some trouble. So that was crazy. But think about this: the San Francisco 49ers, uh, This is their year. This is their window. If they stay healthy, they're I think they're unbeatable. They have beaten the other two best teams in the NF- NFC, Philly and Dallas, by 23 points and 32 points. And the 23 wasn't that close. It was 42 to 10 or 14, whatever it was, Rod. Yeah. 40, and, and they've got that late touchdown to make it 19. Come on now. Uh, that, that is, that is, those are the two other best teams. They haven't played Detroit, but I kind of get the feeling they could do the same. If I mean, think about this for the Niners. This is not blowing smoke. They have the best play caller in the game. He and Andy Reid, right? Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, probably the best, I, I too. Think, yeah, Andy probably got, uh, I think. The, More the, skins on the wall. I would give him the nod, but I think he's right there behind him. But to have Kyle Shanahan with this, best left tackle in the game. All you got to do is watch. Best left tackle in the game. Watch yeah. Trent Williams play for a game. And it's when they run left with Christian McCaffrey, they can't stop it. Because it's not just Trent Williams. It's Kyle Juszczyk mm-hmm. and it's George Kittle. Yeah. And those they get left, it's over. Yeah. You can't stop it. And then everything comes play action off of that, Rod. Mm-hmm. Everything comes play action the other way. And you've got Debo and Brian, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who are likely the best duo of receivers. I mean, I know they argue in Miami mm-hmm. and some Philadelphia. other places. Then Cincinnati yeah. went healthy they're, with Chase they're, and Higgins. They're top five easily of how, receiving duo. How and did... then George Kittle's a top three tight end. And, 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 now, and then on defense, what they did to the Eagles, really as impressive. It'll go underreported, but they, they held them to 19 points. What's that, Ty? Sorry, buddy. No, no problem. Uh, how in the world did Washington let or trade Trent Williams for a fourth or fifth and third round pick? How'd they let Chase Young go? Right. This is what they keep locking up, <laughs> these, all, these studs. And all these coaches, too. Have you seen the picture of uh, McVay, Shanahan, uh, Mike McDaniels, and I think there's one other. Oh, and Ma- uh, Matt Lafer when they were all on the offensive staff for Well, they've been uh, there for before. They, 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 the Texans had that, too, though. They, they've Because they, that group goes together because they stay with Shano. Yeah, they so, do. So that's, that's, basically, that's basically Mike Shanahan's hand-picked squad of football all, football geeks. Started out in Washington. Remember, they went to Houston because they were – that Shanahan clan with came to Matt Schaub and Gary Kubiak. Yes, because they were Kubiak guys, right? Remember, Kubiak leaves and goes to win the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos after that. But the Shanahan clan, that was his hand-picked guys. So all these guys that are killing it right now, Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, they were all hand-picked by Mike Shanahan, not Kyle. Now, they stayed with Kyle because they wanted to cultivate their craft with the Shanahan clan with that philosophy. But they're Mike Shanahan picks. So they're from the Mike Shanahan tree, actually. That's a hell of a tree right now. Didn't realize that. (laughs) The Mike Shanahan coaching tree right now is probably the best coaching tree in football right now. It is. Because of Kyle and because of those guys. Well, (laughs) and and Mike Shanahan, of course, was a great developer of coaches. Because that's -hmm. that's important. We were talking about last night with the Packers game and Mike Holmgren. I mean, Bill Belichick doesn't share information. You've gone through this. 
his his coaches don't learn. His coach tree is terrible. Mike Holmgren made sure Andy Reid and Mariucci and all those guys mm -hmm. understood why it was working and wanted to share and be an open book. Um, it's pretty clear the Shanahan's are that way too. I would also say this for the Niners. They, 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 by the way, they got Trent Williams because remember when he was in Washington, they misdiagnosed an injury of his, and I he said he'd never that. play for him again. I remember the that. training staff was so bad that he said, "I'll never play for you again." Organization, uh, you mean organization? Organization. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'll never play for staff, you. Everything was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. and he went to his own doctor, and he was was told he was misdiagnosed, and it almost ended as could have been a career-ending problem for him. And it's like, okay, I'm not. I can't. You can't trust a guy. I mean, you, I put my health in your hands. Yeah. And Daniel Snyder, the former owner, can't even hire a training staff that's, that's competent. competent enough. Yeah. I'll never play for you. So he forced his way out, and that's what they could get from San Francisco. I don't know why everybody wasn't trying to trade for Trent Williams. Right. But that dude's a monster. It's funny because Christian McCaffrey says Trent Williams is the best player he's ever played. He's ever seen. I think yes. he's the best player in the league. It's like, how the hell the 49ers get And we're all going, well, Christian McCaffrey might be the best player in the league. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing about the 49ers, guys, is no team in the NFL has an all-pro at every level of offense and defense. Every level. On the offensive line, they got Trent Williams. Basically, quarterback is the only place they don't have an all-pro. Well, he'll be all-pro this year. They got, a wide, they got a wide receiver. Debo's an all-pro, right? Ayuk is playing like that. Kittle is an all-pro. Christian McCaffrey is an all-pro. You think even the damn fullback is an all-pro. Linebackers, you got – you got maybe the best coverage linebacker at all Fred of football Warner. in Fred Warner. He's an all-pro. Hell, Tufanga, who got hurt this year, he's an all-pro at safety. Cornerback, they don't have it. Uh, but on the D-line, hell, they got like two of those guys. Well, you know who – you, you know what you say that about corner, but Charvarius Ward played great yesterday against A.J. Brown. He got beat a couple times early. Yeah. But he was awesome in man coverage. The only two places where they don't have an all-pro is quarterback and cornerback. And now, as Ty just mentioned, Brock Purdy is right now leading the NBA. Well, <laughs> Because you'll see Jacksonville tonight on Monday Night Football. They beat Jacksonville by 30. I mean, they just, I mean it's kind of like Baltimore at home. When Baltimore yeah. gets you at home, they can do that. That's why it kind of looks like a Niners-Ravens collision course in the Super Bowl, big picture, because the yeah. Chiefs are not what they were, and they keep taking losses, and they're 8-4. Dolphins are good, but I think the Ravens would win that game. Uh, but either way, uh, the San Fran, uh, that is impressive. Now, the Cowboys aren't going to apologize. They, they'd like to get the Niners again. Can they beat them? I don't know. They're playing great football right now. And the Cowboys, after sitting back and winning on Thursday night uh, with Dak Prescott playing great, and, and they got to watch this. Now they get Philadelphia at home Sunday night. That's a big one. And if they win, they'll be in first place. That's now, I don't know if they can – everybody's playing for the one seed, but if you can probably – if you can win the division, Rod, you get a home playoff game, right? You don't have to go on the road and play a wild card game because you're, you're a division champion. Mm -hmm. uh, that's huge for the Dallas Cowboys right now. So the Eagles, that game is as big as they get Sunday night. Uh, as we wow. found out there, if you're going up to that game, go to Jay Gilligan's Ride the Shuttle over and back. Yeah, <laughs> get the good. Irish nachos, baby. Ooh. Go see those guys. Uh, so that's awesome. And then I would also say this. The, the, the Chiefs lost at Lambeau Field, but if you watch that game, it was unbelievable. The officials for blew four separate calls. In the last drive of the game, Rod. Blew I saw that, that pass interference was egregious. Uh, egregious to miss that well, There was call. a late hit out of bounds on Patrick Mahomes, which was not. He was still in bounds when he made contact. They called it 15 yards. There was a, there was a fumble that was going to be a strip sack for a fumble. There were, Rasheed Rice was clearly down. They ruled him up, but there was a penalty on the play, so the fumble didn't happen. Uh, then they had the pass interference call. You oh, that about. was horrible, man. On one series, four blown calls. STZ, NFL is going to – I know the NFL It keeps is, happening in these big games. Yes, and I know right now they are the number one television product in America and nothing's even close. Like, it's not it, – second is so far uh, removed from competition, the NFL doesn't even recognize. So they are the number one TV product in America. But they have been – these cheap billionaires, all right, and they got a few of them, they have been stubborn 
about officiating and trying to upgrade the level and competency of officiating in NFL, they still won't make them full-time refs. They still won't do it. And they won't even, like, force them to train year-round full-time. And I guess they got to pay them more to do that because they have to give up their other jobs because somebody's got yeah, lawyers, lawyers and judges and, and weightlifters. Like, yes, <laughs> and I, I think the NFL needs to – they need to really try to focus on year-round because you know what's really bringing a spotlight on this inept officiating? Gambling. Oh, yeah, 100%. Gambling. They're the maddest of all of them. They're the maddest of all of them. There's money being lost. And I think, well, it's not just wins and losses. It's gambling lines. Yes. It's over-unders. The integrity of your game right now is in question. So I think, man, spend the extra few million dollars and just have a, I don't know, certain groups, uh, I don't know how they want to do it, but groups of officials that you can actually say this percentage of our officiating crews are full-time. You know, the, the whole group can't be full-time. I get that. But you'd have some of these uh, – some of these crew chiefs and the top whatever, guys. just whatever. I mean, well, and it's bad. Figure it out. And it's bad for your TV product too or your game. Oh. When, when not only did they they blow four, but you know they all have their. Um, Terry McCauley was in the booth. Former official. Yes. Agreed. All of them were blown. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what are they going to say? It's like that. I got a job here too. No, that's bad. Why, why can't they <laughs> no, be full time? Well, that's that. The NFL money, has to go there. I mean, they're, but they're, you can pay for it's something. Money, they should be able to pay for that. Should they not? They don't want to pay. They don't want to pay for corporation. Well, look at baseball. They've got uh, the, the umpires have a union, right? And mm-hmm. so the umpires union, you have to negotiate with them. You'd rather not have that. Um, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. they want this as a part-time gig because the officials believe they make more money with this as a part-time. Yeah, gig. they can have a full-time job and work on weekends. Yes, aren't That's most of them like lawyers want. and stuff like oh, that? Oh yeah, they all do well. Yeah, most they, of them do well. Yeah. Uh, all right, one other note. Then we're getting to the break. We're going behind yeah. the burn orange curtain with Rod next. But C.J. Stroud, I just have to mention this because C.J. We talked about him uh, effusively, and why not? He won the. They won the game yesterday. And let's keep in mind that the Texans scored 22 points, but they didn't have Dalton Schultz or Tank Dell in that game. So it was really Nico Collins, and he had almost 200 yards receiving rod. Mm. Two bills. He was awesome mm. yesterday. Yeah, he was killing uh, CJ, so CJ played well and outdueled uh, Russell Wilson. But yesterday for Houston is why you get excited about now and the future for D'Amico Ryans. They won this game with their defense. Um, the, and it was Will Anderson, right? He doesn't get enough. He, doesn't he hadn't had a breakout game yet because you're thinking, well, CJ was the second pick, and they traded back to get Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this? Two sacks. Four quarterback hits, a tip ball that led to a Derek Stingley interception, one of his two. He blocked a punt. This dude was awesome yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they had to start chipping him, which opened things up for the other guy on the other side, um, uh, Jonathan Grenard. And he had the pre- – I mean, they, they were getting Malik Collins in the middle. It all starts with, with Will, though. If Will's getting the push, watch out. Yeah. So now – and Derek Stingley had two picks. So now you're looking – when you, you talk about all pros at every level in San Francisco, this is how you build a team, and you're trying – the Cowboys have done it. You're trying to put – and so if you're Houston, you're like, okay, Will Anderson's going to be all pro. That's going to be that kind of guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Grenard is better because of him. Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie – these kind of players can become those kind of guys. We've got our quarterback, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, when he gets back healthy. Our offensive line is way above average. Um, you know, so now you can target, okay, here's what we need to look for in free agency and in the draft, right? You're looking for upgrades, a linebacker. You know, you're looking for a running back probably because Damian Pierce has mm-hmm. not followed up his rookie year as good as you thought. But that's pretty good when you're only looking for a couple of positions now where we need to do. You just need depth, and you want, you're trying to find a couple more spots. Yeah, I mean, Nick Casario has hit on yes, the, the top draft picks. And like I said, you may look at his, you know, the, the, the picks he's made overall and may find nitpicking. You may find some misses, but you're talking about the, the, the major uh, picks that they've made, trading for Will Anderson, trading up to get back Will Anderson, the C.J. Stroud pick. I mean, he really has hit on those two, those two big winners, and that's all you need to do. And, and, and I would also say this, the year. in relationship with the, Texas, with the, Cal- the Longhorns, I should say, they're developing these players. 
Like the players are getting better. D'Amico is. D'Amico yeah. and the staff and like the Longhorns. I mean, we take a player here and he gets better as the year goes on. They're great. That's 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 that because the Niners do that as good as anybody. Those players improve in San Francisco's system. I like it. All right, we'll come back. There's some NFL, but we're obviously all Texas today. They're in the college football playoff. Rod will take us back behind that burn orange curtain and how the Longhorns decimated. I mean, destroyed, demolished the Oklahoma State Cowboys and kept that receipt too, Rod. The revenge tour continues, continues, and now it continues into the semifinal because they got a revenge game with Washington now in about 30 days. We're coming back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hook them up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, it's all about Texas, Washington, the Final Four, Alabama, Michigan, and the Rose Bowl, Texas and the Sugar Bowl, and uh, fell exactly how the Longhorns needed it to, and they needed to have a resounding style points win, which they posted 49-21 over the Red, excuse me, the Oklahoma State Cowboys coming off of the beatdown of Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. So resounding wins each of the last two weeks. The committee was up in Grand Prairie, right up the road, right up 360. You get to Grand, up to, uh, not Grand Prairie, uh, Grapevine. Grapevine, a little further up from Grand Prairie, and um, got a chance to watch that together, and the Longhorns, impressive enough. That plus the entire body of work. Because I don't hear some people talking about, well, well, Texas' win over Oklahoma State's not impressive. Well, the, mm-hmm. the, the impressive of the win on top of the body of work is what you're talking about. That's why they're one of the three best teams in the country. Yeah, but it's not like they just won. It, it, it was domination. They, Complete. <laughs> Oklahoma State. I think they had time of possession. Oklahoma State had less than, like, 12 minutes total time of possession. It was something crazy like that. What? Well, I'm gonna look that up right now. Yeah, so sure. and they, it was they, some crazy number that I was shocked to see. They basically did in a rewatch. It made sense. They didn't have the ball at all. Well, they started every the time, game going three and out, just throwing the ball down the field every possession. I feel like they exactly. the first two possessions with six incompletions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, well, so they knew they couldn't run the ball. They 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 had 20. They had 19 minutes time of possession total in the game. 19. So, well, sorry. when they well, look, they, they they came out trying to exploit Texas secondary with Brennan Presley, and they did okay. But yeah, they couldn't move the ball, and they um, move the ball. and then you know Ollie Gordon ended up with thirty yards rushing. Yeah, guys, you know? and okay, so I was all right. This is why I, I thought it was twelve because remember they had a four minute drive at the end of the game. They had a four minute. If not for that four minute drive at the end of the game, they, they basically would have had like twelve minutes time possession. They had another three and out. That's what really saved them because every other possession by them, five plays, punt. They had eight. Eight, uh, eight play touchdown drive that took up almost three minutes. They had that interception that was a in uh, eight play drive, but only forty yards. That was less than two minutes. Then three plays and punt. Then two plays and a touchdown. Uh, after the uh, interception, I believe they had the fumble uh, that was in their two minute drill. Remember they fumbled the ball, had the ball for just th- three plays and fumbled. End of the half was four plays, eleven yards, twenty six seconds. Uh, five plays, seventeen yards, but took two and a half. They, they had a four. Four, they had a five-play, 17-yard drive that took three minutes. 
<laughs> Maybe that was right. That was in the third quarter. And then also in that in that fourth quarter, they had that 10-play, 89-yard drive, uh, and that took over four minutes. But except before that, they didn't have the ball at all very long. Uh, and well, in their last 10 quarters, they've outscored their opponents 126 to 40. So, I mean, that's also the dominance. It wasn't just that game. It was the second half of the Iowa State game that a lot of people were paying attention to. Well, it was the defense, too. Ollie Gordon was the nation's best running back. Well, he hadn't officially won it, but he was going to win the Doak Walker Award as the best running back in the country. And that was arguably the best running game in the country in some people's eyes. And Texas not only shut it down, Ollie Gordon was a non-factor throwing temper tantrums on the sideline in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> impressive. And that, that's all taken into account. And so I think – Look, everybody's going to try to, to find a beef. It's hard to find one with Texas. They're, they're the best one-loss team in the country, period. Uh, and that's why they're three. The two undefeated teams are ahead of them, and obviously Florida State without their quarterback are a different team. Uh, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. More on that from Ron. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's actually start with the defense. I don't think we've shown enough love to the defense and that dominant performance. And I, I, honestly, I think we at this point, Longhorn fans, you know, I, I think we're a little spoiled considering how good the rush defense has been. Texas, every, every Longhorn fan expected Texas to shut down Ollie Gordon, the best running back in the country. All right, the guy's going to win the Doak Walker. It was expected. Oh, they're a run first team. They want to throw because they're not going to be able to run against Texas. And it came to fruition again. Happened again. All right. By the way, we need to give some props to Tosh Brooks. Can we just go back <laughs> retroactively as Longwood fans and give Tosh Brooks some props? Guy averaged five yards to carry, had 95 yards against the Texas uh, defense. There's nobody been able to run the ball like that traditional running game against this Texas rush defense. It's just been that good. And now looking back, I'm like, damn, Tosh Brooks was really good. Because Texas Tech didn't really open up holes for him. He just made holes himself. So just – Digress, getting back to it, that was really impressive performance by him in that blowout uh, Texas had over Texas Tech. But getting back to it, Ollie Gordon II, 13 rushes, 34 yards, 2.6 yards per rush. Non-factor in the game. So once again, Texas defense is able to make a team one-dimensional. She's able to take away uh, one-dimension. Now against Texas Tech, strangely enough, the one-dimension they took away was a passing game. They was 2.4 yards per attempt. And the Tech game took away the passing game, and I did it. they did it because they played a lot of bump and run, press coverage on the field side and on the boundary side. They did the same thing in this game versus Oklahoma State. They played as much press on the field and the boundary side, uh, press man, as they did uh, in the Texas Tech game, in the Oklahoma State game. The problem was Oklahoma State knew it was coming. Oklahoma State, they had – some double moves, uh, and they had some key concepts ready to go. The double moves, kind of stalk, block, and go. Uh, they ran out and up on Texas. They ran a lot of formation into the boundary to attack the safeties, take uh, Pudge Day Barron into no man's land as that single high safety. So the, the problem is, and I, I do think Texas wants to play more bump and run press on the outside, and they will if the matchup dictates Matchup against Washington is not going to dictate playing press, bump, and run coverage on the outside of lines. Uh, so I think going up against Oklahoma State, they knew it was coming, and they made the necessary adjustments early on in that game. There were some guys who were open. Probably should have been a pass interference early on on their first drive against Terrence Brooks that they did not call. Uh, so Texas needs to work on playing the deep ball and playing the ball when it's in the air 
you know, th- this break, this month before they play Washington, they got to figure that out because they still struggled a little bit with that against Oklahoma. Well, State. That, we talk about uh, with the extra time, you can work on some things and you know, in, you know leverages, inside breaking routes, all those things. Uh, those are going to be focuses because yes, this 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 and it's a deep, it's a downfield passing team. Washington. It's a vertical. It's the most vertically centric passing offense in the country. Yeah. And it's the best deep ball quarterback, in my opinion, in the country in Michael Penix. I will say that the, there is a positive. Rod, you know when you got to see a player on the field and would go against him. You know, Terrence Brooks and, um, you know, Ryan Watts and these guys have mm-hmm. seen these receivers. They played against him last year. So yeah. it's like they, they can, okay, go back in their memory bank, watch some film. Uh, what did I do well? What can I do better? Uh, and the receivers can do the same thing. So, I mean, that's, that's what the, one of the beauties of this being a rematch from really one, one year ago uh, to this matchup. And I think both sides are a year better and no a year further along with Kalen DeBoer and with Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, you're definitely not you – say I don't think Washington's going to be able to run the football successfully against Texas. I could be wrong about this. Now, if you give Washington really light boxes, say you're dropping eight aggressively, yeah, Kalen DeBoer is a smart coach. He's going to take what the defense is giving him. But if Texas does just give that up, and I don't think they will, Texas actually can play the run with a light box because of Tavondre Sweat and because of Byron Murphy. They can play with a light box and Jalen Ford. They got one of the best fronts in all of college football. So – that may help you in this matchup versus Washington playing with a light box and then be able to drop more guys back in coverage. You're going to need it. They got three NFL caliber wide receivers up there. But if you're looking at the rush defense for Texas, kind of what we're getting back to, that's the identity sure. of, of this uh, Texas defense. They're not a third best rush defense in the country behind UCLA, Penn State. That's it. Michigan is at 86.6 rushing yards allowed. Utah at 84.2. Right behind Texas at 80.8. There is no doubt. The last time Texas allowed fewer than 100 rushing yards per game in the season, 2011. This is definitely the best rush defense Texas has had since 2009. Well, and uh, you asked the question when the season began, you know, can Pete Kwiatkowski and this staff and this, these players get this defense from good to great? They're, they're, they're getting there. They're get, getting there. Yeah, they, it, it – it, the rush defense is great. Great. The rush defense is great. Pass defense is a little shaky. But it, it's it. gotten better the later uh, we've gotten in the season. And I think it's because the young guy's technique is a, is a lot – I think it's a lot better. And I think also the reps of them playing, the young guys playing within this defense, I think they just improved. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be a good matchup for that Washington passing offense. Looks be a lot of fun coming up uh, on January 1st, 7.45 kick back uh, to the Sugar Bowl. For the first time since 2018, we will certainly be letting you know what our plan is going to be. We'll have a plan. We will be in New Orleans. We'll uh, cover this thing front to back. And then, obviously, if they can win that game, they're in Houston. Uh, so, we got cover. We got coverage coming. Oh, coverage, man. Rod. It's like be blanket coverage. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. Got to cover. Got to got to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say here on the horn that, uh, uh, to, to your point of this defense getting to the great, I'm trying to remember what my point was going to be. You're just making a really good point mm. about Washington. But Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. Steve, Steve, yeah. I mean, we, we, this is why with the Florida State thing, oh, that's what I was going to say. Florida State without their quarterback is Penn State, or they are Iowa. That's who they are. Iowa. They're that's Iowa. who they are. <laughs> yeah, that's who they that's are. That's a great way so to if put you're, if you're, Iowa. Yeah. Great their defense is legit. Sure. Florida State's oh, defense I mean, is nasty. Uh, Jared Verse is going to be a really high draft pick, the mm-hmm. pass rusher. Yep. But, so, but you're not putting Iowa in the playoff. And the argument is without Jordan Travis, they wouldn't be undefeated. But they are. So that's the, the, the biggest – but that's who, that's who you're talking about. You're talking about an Iowa team who scored zero points against Michigan. They got lost 26 to nothing. And that's the thing I like about – I'm not getting ahead of myself. Texas need to beat Washington, right? We, and they're favored, but it's a difficult matchup, I think, for a number of reasons. But, man, you get to – Michigan don't see – they don't see offenses 
like you see in the Big 12 and like you see in the Pac-12 and even like you see in the modern SEC. The Big 10, we agree, it's just an antiquated monster, an antiquated offensive philosophy, an antiquated offensive conference. That's why they're bringing in Washington and USC, so that'll change in, in, the, in the future. But the fact that Iowa could make it to the, the Big 10 championship averaging, what, 18 points per game? The Big 10 sucks. And, uh, offensively, it does. Offensively. Michigan That's played what, like two top 25 teams all year? Their only game. Yeah, they basically had to beat Ohio State to get in the playoffs. But that's why I wonder, Ty, if the defense, as good as it's been, is at a disadvantage because just hasn't seen high-powered offenses. The ones they have seen, they've dominated. But have they seen a spread attack, anything like a Washington, anything or, or like Texas? Bring at you? No way. No, they have no not. No way. Yeah, that's, that's the, the opportunity. And obviously Bama. Um, Alabama may spread it out on the more than they've seen. Yeah, they, you're right. With Jalen <laughs> Milrow, who's playing at a – what a different quarterback he is. That's a great story, too, from being benched one – Early in the year to be in the SEC Texas got championship a game. Texas yeah. got a mention. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the fact that he had to sit and watch that game with South Florida the next week, and here he is winning the SEC you know, MVP, of the, MVP of the championship game. Pretty good good stuff there. And obviously Florida State uh, bumming. Uh, but it was going to happen. I told you all last week there's going to be five spots for four teams, and someone's getting left out. I think they got it right, they even it though right. it's uh, it's against what it's been in the past. We'll come back. We'll uh, wrap it up with who – or with what's popping, I should was say. Poppin'. What's popping, including the Monday Night Football game tonight. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. Hey. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the horn. What's popping? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like Stockton. Just All right, what's popping to wrap things up? Uh, to I think we really launch things, too. I mean, what's popping is the transfer portal's open. Oh, yeah. Uh, so far, Dylan Gabriel is in. That's not a surprise. The Jackson Arnold era is going to begin at Oklahoma. You wonder, he'll probably end up starting the bowl game for them at the Alamo Dome against oh, yeah. uh, Arizona. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Kyle, uh, Kyle McCord, the, the quarterback at Ohio State, who I'm sure Buckeye fans were given the business after the uh, Michigan game because he threw two interceptions. You know, one early and one late. It's just weird that used to be you, you're not starting. That's why he's transferring. He's transferring so he can get a chance to play. E. And I was like, well, he started and won ten games. Now he's still he's transferring. Why? Because he's that, not going to be the starter next year. Because because Ohio State is hoping to get in the portal and upgrade. I know. Uh, that's, and there's crazy. You know, man. I mean, in Columbus and all over the Buckeye Nation, they're all talking about Arch Manning. But the most likely is Malik Murphy. Uh, heard that name. Malik Murphy. And a lot of people on the West Coast are talking about Malik Murphy. I've listened to a lot of West Coast shows talking about him. Well, think about it. If, you know, Oregon's going to need a quarterback. Well, they've got mm-hmm. Austin Novosad, the kid from Dripping Springs, who's, yep. you know, their next guy. But Washington's going to need Washington one. with Michael Penix, Caleb Williams at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people look at the Washington State quarterback, Cam Ward, who's from Texas. Uh, he's going to be in the portal. He's going he's to be heavily recruited in the you portal. You know his story, Rod? He, didn't, he, he, played, he went to Cleveland High School in Cleveland, Texas, which is like north of – you know, Houston and Huntsville. Did he go to Incarnate Word? Was that yeah. it? Yeah. Well, he ran the option yeah. in high school. He never threw. No one wow. knew he could throw. I didn't know that. It was an option-based offense at a small school, hmm. and so he never threw. So he went to Incarnate Word just as an athlete, and they figured out, oh, man, this kid can throw. Wow. So the offensive coordinator there picked him, and he became a record-setting quarterback at Incarnate Word. He went to Washington State and said, come with me. And that's now where Cam Ward comes from. Uh, so now his best football is probably ahead of him, and now he may look at a place you know, on the West Coast or Ohio State or back in Texas who's looking for a quarterback. So keep an eye on that name. Uh, I would also say – got some. They've been hot lately. Just random. They got coaches that are getting hired right out of Courtney Word now. Yeah, well, Will Stein. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Will Stein was the Lake Travis Cavaliers offensive yeah. coordinator. And 
Congrats to Westlake, by the way, beating that was popping over the weekend. Westlake beat Lake Travis for the second time this year, 21-14. Was that the same score as the first time, Ty? When it was uh, 21-14, the first time the Lakes played? It was a seven-point game. I remember that. Yeah, it was 21-14 both times, I believe. It, they, the, uh, the Shaps were up two scores late, though. So. Either way. 21-7. Yeah, Westlake Westlake, Westlake will now play Galena Park North Shore run. North Shore, Westlake from Pflugerville. Ooh, in Peeville? In Peeville. Pflugerville, whoever's running that stadium is getting the big games because uh, Wimberley plays there, too. It's mm-hmm. now become the go-to stadium, I guess. I don't know if people like it. It's easy in, easy out. It's off they, the tollway. renovated it then. Well, it's brand new. Oh, it's, it's brand, brand new. new. Okay, it's yeah, there, there's a stadium down at Pflugerville High School, okay. but they built a, uh, a district-wide stadium. At, 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 it's called the Puffield at Pflugerville, and I, I've never been there, uh, but I've heard it's very nice. Mm. But you, because you would think the Palace on Palmer, but people coming east, it's easier to get to. Okay. you know what I mean. So yeah. if you're coming east, and it made sense for Lake Travis and Westlake to go and just don't have, a, have as neutral site as you can in Central Texas. But I think that has to be the case because you can get there right off the tollway, right? You come in, yep. go up right the tollway, and you can mm-hmm. you know, get there in and out instead of having to go all the way over to Palmer. Well, don't the coaches have the option to, like, flip the coin? Yeah, I don't know how that played out because North Shore, I think eight, they each pick one and they flip a coin. Uh, or they agree upon it or Craig whatever. Craig has talked about this, some of yeah, those great stories. Of course. <laughs> Craig would know immediately. Yeah. But uh, either way, so that game is happening. Wimberley also plays there. They're playing Belleville. Oh, gotcha. uh, and both this is to go to go to Arlington for the state championship. Wimberley Texan. Wimberley Texans this, this, having a great year. If Westlake wins, this will probably be the first year I don't go to the state championship because that game's on my birthday. And I don't want to be a oh, that big of a high school hero on my birthday. Come on now. Uh, the great uh, day of football. <laughs> Days of football in Arlington coming your way. Uh, but yeah, that's all around the corner. And also Liberty Hill. Liberty Hill has to go down to my, where I went to high school, Cypress. Cy, they're going to play at the Cy new Creek. stadium there at Cy, mm-hmm. Cy Creek area, Cy Fair, Jersey Village area, where they'll play uh, Port Natchez. Okay, nice. Port you know Natchez Grove? Or yeah, Port Natchez Grove. Uh, that's Rojo, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Rojo there? Well, yeah. you know who coaches there is the son of the longtime head coach at Katie, Gary Joseph, who won so many state titles. That's his son, and he, he's already got them. He was my coach power level. at Westlake at one point. I didn't know that, really. Yeah, big mm-hmm. time. Okay. And so, yeah, Liberty Hill. So three area teams still cruising. And uh, good, luck. good luck to them. That's yes, popping that. this weekend. But the transfer portal popping. Quarterbacks are moving. Uh, people are on the move. Also moving today. Somebody asked when the uh, early signing period is. Now you talked about the secondary rod still needing assistance uh-huh. for Texas. Uh, tr- the early mm-hmm. signing period is December 20th. Okay. Two weeks from Wednesday. Yeah. Sark and the staff, all the coach across country are going to be – drinking out of a fire hose here because you got to handle your own roster in the portal. you got to dig into the portal. Most people think Texas is going to be active in the portal right now Well, why not? for the future. Look at, look at right now, your brand is <laughs> right at all-time high in terms well, of Well, there's talk of the, uh, the, the all-SEC receiver from South Carolina maybe being interested in looking what A.D. Mitchell was able to do. Um, you know, just talk about Evan, Evan uh, Stewart down at Texas A&M who's in the portal already. Uh, so the – Wide receiver, because you know you got to replace a ton of them for Texas, a ton of catches. Um, you know, safety, they're going to be looking at in the portal. They need safety. Uh, so, yeah. and then some other positions. Defensive line, because you're losing Sweat, Murphy, and possibly Collins uh, to the NFL. So, uh, so the Longhorns coaches will be active in the portal. And, again, none of these guys can play in the bowl game. It's just such a weird thing. They'll enroll and be a part mm-hmm. of January after the championship. So you're working on that, and you're trying to solidify the final recruits. And so the Longhorns have Kobe Black, five-star corner from Waco, who you've seen film on. Yeah. And now they're going to come hard at uh, Xavier Filson, the safety five-star from McKinney. They need him, too. Uh, that would really lock up if they got two five-stars in the secondary to go with the <clears throat> rest of the class. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we'll see where that goes. And then the Longhorns are also prepping for a 
pretty big game with Washington. Yeah. No, the Longhorns are trying to develop a pipeline at, at, you know, at these positions, right, where you start that NFL development and then the guy right behind him, if they're good enough to earn that spot at that with this program, then they're automatically have to do it with the NFL skill set, right? They're doing it at linebacker now. You're doing it at D tackle now. You haven't done that in the secondary. Right? You, do that. you want to do it at edge, you want to do it at corner, you want to do it at safety. They haven't started that pipeline well, Remember, yet. in this class, they've done it at quarterback, and they've done it at mm-hmm. left tackle. Brandon Baker, modern day, coming in. He'll yeah. likely be the per- – um, You're going to do it at wide receiver starting this year with X-Men and AD. And, and, and mm-hmm. so with left tackle with Kelvin Banks coming back He's next gonna year. He's going to be that. But the kid from modern day, five-star from, from, <laughs> from California – might be your – he's going to compete to be the, the heir apparent Christian to Jones. Christian Jones at right tackle. Yeah, you're going to need him right away. And then Colin Simmons from Duncanville is the best pass rusher in the country. Got your edge right there. Your Eat edge. these young bucks. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, buddy. Uh, who's going to get out in the Monday night football game tonight? This is Cincinnati-Jacksonville. This is all Jacksonville, Jacksonville. right? Jacksonville. Uh, Cincinnati. Whoops. Jake Browning quarterback. Ah, no. We're good. Jacksonville, by the way, can join the 9-3 and three group in the AFC with a win. Miami and, uh, and Baltimore. You can flex this game out of Monday night football? You can't flex Monday night football games? No. They can, but they didn't. Why not? What's the point of the flex if we just keep these bad games in prime time? I don't understand. Well, if they flexed the Niners <laughs> and Ford and Eagles, that would have been a bad game. They should yes, have, they, they should have flexed. They, you know, they, you know they flexed fair. the Broncos game with the Texans from 3 o'clock to noon? Yeah, I saw that. Come yeah. on, man. Put yeah. it on Monday Night Football. You're right. Yeah, that would have been better than this one. Yeah, this, this is matchup. not going to be a good game. terrible. Hey, Ty, who do you got tonight? Texas Panther pick of the night. Put some more money on Texas winning natty. Hey, <laughs> hey, I like that. He's been saying it all last week. And now they're in. Have their chance. We're back 6 a.m. Monday. Remember, Patrick Davis is in the sports complex. Starts at 4 today. New time spot. Here comes uh, Jim Rohn.